did something unusual. I commissioned a public opinion poll with the a prestigious pollster called Leger. You've probably heard of them. They're the largest Canadian pollster. And I spent 4,000 bucks doing it because I wanted something that was the pedigree, the authority of it was unquestionable. And I asked the question, should Danielle Smith give an amnesty to all the pastors and small business people she's prosecuting or the Alberta government is prosecuting in, in that province? And I'll give you the results. It's very interesting poll. You'll want to watch this show. But first, let me invite you to come uh, become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's the video version of this podcast. Just go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. Bob's your uncle. And we need that eight bucks because that's how we pay the bills around here. So please go to rebelnewsplus.com. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, a new poll shows that conservatives massively support giving amnesty to people charged with lockdown tickets. It's November 7th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. <laughs> straight to the news. It is a new public opinion poll conducted by the largest Canadian-owned pollster in Canada. Leger is the name of the company. You've probably heard of them. Uh, I tell you that because it wasn't a homemade poll. It's not one of those little online surveys that you do that's sort of self-selected. We paid $4,000 to Leger for this survey. Frankly, if you can help me cover the cost of it, please do. You can see the entire poll, all of it, at lockdownamnesty.com. And I think you'll see why. We decided to pay for this poll and to have it done by a big national independent professional pollster because it shows what I knew would be the case, but that I needed someone who wasn't partisan to prove. In fact, Leger does plenty of government work, so you know they're not anti-government activists, and yet this poll has incredible news. I won't keep you in suspense for another minute. The question put to 1,000 Albertans was, do you support or oppose Premier Danielle Smith's campaign proposal to stop prosecuting pastors and small business owners for offenses during the COVID-19 lockdowns and mandates? I think it's a pretty clear question. And the answer was powerful. Look at this. 73% of Albertans who say they're supporters of the UCP, that's the United Conservative Party over there, 73% say they support that. In fact, 51% say they believe that strongly. For comparison, Smith herself won the leadership with 53.77% of Alberta Conservatives for her own leadership vote just last month. So this proposal is actually even more popular with her party than she herself was at last month's contest. I'll give you more information from this poll in a moment, including the bad news in it. But just stop for a moment and marvel at that statistic. 73% of Alberta Conservatives are against prosecuting pastors and small businesses, 51% of them are actually appalled by the idea. Isn't that funny? 50%. Because when Jason Kenney lost his leadership earlier this year, it was about by that same margin. Half of party members voted against him. I bet a lot of them are the same people. Could be the same half, right? I know in my bones that the lockdown is becoming more unpopular every day that passes. It was awful when it happened, but so many people supported it out of fear or out of profit or out of ignorance, and so many people went along with it in the name of being a good citizen, or obedient, or conformity, or just doing the Canadian thing. But really, this poll suggests that people didn't actually ever support it. They were just scared into silence, or obedience, or the media just didn't ask the right questions, or no one commissioned the poll, or if they did, they didn't publish it. But now that the crisis has passed, we can see how useless the lockdowns were, and frankly, how damaging they were economically, to mental health, to kids' schooling. 
how abusive the enforcement was. Just a reminder, let me show you a montage of abusive lockdown policing, uh, which in itself is a scandal. Since when do armed police execute health orders? Here's a reminder of what the government did and what they said just a year, not even a year ago. Take a look. Yeah, what an international embarrassment. You can see politicians running away from what they said and did all around the world. Even in Florida, the least locked down state in America where Governor Ron DeSantis is cruising to re-election. His Democrat opponent, who absolutely supported the lockdowns, is bizarrely trying to smear DeSantis as a locker downer. It makes no sense other than even the Democrats know that lockdowns were a public policy disaster. And now it's going to become a political disaster for them. Well, Ron, that's rich. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that's ever shut down our schools. You're the only governor in the history of Florida that shut down our businesses. I never did that as governor. You're the one who's the shutdown guy. We need to have somebody who is at the helm that understands it's important to listen to science, to do what's right, to utilize common sense. You don't just shut down at the outset, and then when it's you know politically convenient for you, you want to open back up to store political points. So my point back here in Canada is any government that is still enforcing lockdown laws is on the wrong side of history. Even Justin Trudeau grudgingly ended the ArriveCan app, which is a form of lockdownism, 
I can say this based on my knowledge of the 2100 lockdown cases that the Democracy Fund is representing of people charged with everything from mask violations to anti-gathering rules. The police and the prosecutors just don't want these to go to trial. Some of these are cases that are now more than two years old and they just haven't gone to court. Maybe the prosecutors have real things to do instead, like prosecute actual criminals or Maybe they don't want the embarrassment of losing court cases, even having some of their lockdown orders declared unconstitutional and illegal. What a black eye that would be. But mainly, I think the lockdown politicians just want everyone to forget what they did to us, except in Alberta, weirdly, which should be the freest province, strong and free. That's Alberta's official motto, by the way, the most conservative electorate, they say. And yet that's the province that's been the most abusive in terms of prosecuting people. People who kept their churches open or small businesses open. Just, it was crazy. Walmart and Costco and the liquor stores and the marijuana stores, they were all kept open. They were called essential services. But funerals and weddings and churches and mom and pop shops were, or shops were ordered closed on pain of prison. I mean, look at this SWAT team style takedown of Arthur Pavlovsky, the Christian pastor. Do it in Nazi style. Do it in Nazi style. All that for a health order? Because <laughs> he didn't close his church door? Or this guy, another pastor, Tim Stevens, saying the sort of thing. You were served, okay, yeah. and then you got that gathering on June the 6th. Yeah. Okay, so that's what you're under arrest for. <laughs> No other jurisdiction is imprisoning pastors for breaking health orders. Again, I, I'm not going to speak to that, okay? In Canada. Okay. It's only Alberta. I would say Bye, Daddy. Bye, guys. <laughs> Can you guys share maybe why Jason Kenny gets a free pass and you're arresting pastors across the province? Any comment, any emotion for this family whatsoever? No, you're just going to drive off just like that. Is this why you became a police officer? No, sir, I did not. Have a good day. I think those two video clips alone probably cost Jason Kenny 10% of his support during the leadership review, as well it should have. By the way, just last week, Pastor Tim's case went to trial and the judge threw it out hard. I mean, it was embarrassing for the government for the prosecutors, for the police, for the Minister of Health who brought in the orders against that Christian pastor. His name is Tyler Shandro, who now happens to be the Justice Minister under Danielle Smith, which raises an interesting question. Is there a conflict of interest here? Is he, is he following through on these lockdown prosecutions just to save face since he was the health minister who came up with these nasty orders in the first place? Not just pastors, of course, many small businesses too. Like Chris Codd, the owner of the Whistle Stop Diner in Mirror, Alberta. The only restaurant and gas station and general store in his whole town. And Jason Kenney and Tyler Shandro ordered him shut down. And when he wouldn't, they threw him in jail. They put him in jail. Maximum security. Who would support that? Well, according to Leger, 20% of UCP conservatives in the province actually do support prosecuting Chris Scott. 20% do. That's, those are the Tyler Shandro conservatives. 
But here's the darker part of the poll. I told you there was bad news in it, too. The province is not just made up of conservatives. There are socialists there, too. Remember the last premier before Kenny was an NDP extremist named Rachel Notley. I call her extremist, for example, because she used to literally wear a wristwatch with a picture of a communist murderer named Che Guevara on it. Just atrocious. Obviously, Notley and the NDP cheered on the prosecution and persecution of small businesses and churches. The NDP socialists have never had much time for either group in society. Notley and the NDP raged against ending the lockdowns. They didn't want to end the mask rules either. They actually still want masks in schools. They're still calling for that right now. So what do you think the NDP supporters in the province told the pollster when that question was asked to them of Leger? Do you support or oppose Premier Danielle Smith's campaign proposal to stop prosecuting pastors and small business owners for offenses during the COVID-19 lockdowns and mandates? Well, the answer is the mirror opposite. As I told you, 73% of conservatives want amnesty for churches and small businesses, but the NDP, 86% of them say, no, they should be prosecuted, 86%. But of course, this was the ruling class. This was the lockdown class. These were government workers who actually didn't work, but they still got paid. They got paid to have a staycation and catch up on Netflix shows. They, these were the bosses. These were the cops, the inspectors, the enforcers. They love the lockdown. They want it back. Frankly, I told you that story the other day of a single public health office in Toronto that's laying off more than 400 COVID bureaucrats next year. They, they still have plenty more, by the way, but they're letting go of 400. Who... Who's still on the payroll today? A COVID bureaucrat. These aren't actual nurses or doctors. They're just scolds and paper pushers. That's the NDP's base in Alberta. That's who wants small businesses and pastors prosecuted because small businesses and pastors, well, that's sort of the UCP base, isn't it? Now, that's what we call a divided province. The left wants to punish pastors and small businesses they cheered when Pastor Arthur was arrested. They loved it. They cheered when Trudeau brought in martial law. They loved it. And if Danielle Smith actually keeps her campaign promise to call off the prosecutions, well, those people will be mad at her. They'll be furious. But here's the obvious political point. They already are furious with her. There, there is no change that these NDP supporters would ever, in a million years, nothing would make them vote for Danielle Smith. Never. It will never happen. Not just because of her take on the lockdowns, but her take on everything else, from fighting against environmentalist crazies to standing up to Trudeau. These people hate her deep in their DNA. Those 86% of NDPers would never, ever, in a million years, ever consider voting for Danielle Smith anyways. So from a political math point of view, who cares if they're mad about this? But in one fell swoop, Smith could turn the page on the dark era of lockdowns, distinguish herself from Jason Kenney, give a huge win to the party base, recalibrate the province on civil liberties, back to where it should be, and free up millions of dollars in police and prosecutorial resources to, you know, go after real criminals instead. And more than any of that, she would prove that she can get things done, that she is not trapped by the inertia of the province's permanent bureaucracy or Jason Kenney's overhanging staff and MLAs, that she isn't stopped by the Kenney-Notley deep state, that she can make decisions and get action from the bureaucracy. And she can show her party base that she keeps her promises, that she isn't cowed by the NDP and their agents and the media party. I saw it with my own eyes. I've been in Alberta a lot lately. I was covering the leadership campaign for Smith. The real enemy to Danielle Smith is not Rachel Notley. It is not even her internal leadership rivals from whom she has a truce. It's with the media, the CBC in particular, but also most other media in the province. All the media loved the lockdowns, and they all got government bailouts during the lockdown. 
They all believe in caressing power, not standing up to it. And if Smith ends these political prosecutions, they will howl, but let them howl. They're going to howl at her anyways, no matter what. Let them howl in defense of lockdowns. Let them make the case for putting pastors and small businessmen in prison. Now, if you saw my show on Friday, you saw that I was down in Lethbridge, Alberta for the ongoing prosecution of three truckers, completely peaceful men who were being charged with mischief for being part of the trucker blockade at Coots. Three great guys, Marco, who's actually a local town councilor, real stand-up guy. George, a good egg family man. Alex, hardworking guy. I really loved meeting them. They're, they're like Tamara Leach. They're, they're, they're just like Tamara Leach. Trudeau wanted to make an example out of her. These three men, well, Kenny wants to make an example out of them. And, and Kenny's prosecutor, and I say that because the charges against these men were laid only in September, one of Kenny's last gasps. Kenny's prosecutor's named Stephen Johnston. And I saw a news story where Johnston was prosecuting a rapist and told the judge that he should hand out a four-and-a-half-year sentence for the rapist. Four-and-a-half years for the rapist. And yet the same prosecutor is seeking 10 years each for these peaceful truckers. That is insane. That is out of sync with justice. That is not in the public interest. And frankly, it likely will not win in court, just like the prosecutions against Pastor Tim. And the ones so far against Pastor Arthur were eventually thrown out. And Premier Danielle Smith can say, that happened on the previous Premier's watch. And that's 100% true. But every day it gets a little less true, doesn't it? Every day the prosecutions of Pastor Arthur continue. His next court case is in December. Every day the prosecution of these three truckers continues. Well, this becomes Danielle, Smith, Danielle Smith's vendetta, not just Kenny's vendetta. Even though Smith has no personal stake here, she has no beef with these guys. For heaven's sakes, she gave a generous apology to lockdown victims just a couple weeks ago. Hi, Ms. Smith. Celine Ballas from Rebel News. During your campaign, you said that not only would you issue an apology to those prosecuted during COVID restrictions, but you would also grant them amnesty. When can we expect those apologies? Um, I can apologize right now. I'm, I'm, I'm deeply sorry for anyone who was inappropriately subjected to um, discrimination as a result of their vaccine status. I'm deeply sorry for any government employee that was fired from their job because of their vaccine status. And I welcome them back if they want to come back. As for the amnesty, I have to get some legal advice on that. Um, and so I've already asked my staff to, um, to, to request that advice so I can see how we would be able to proceed on that. My view has been these were um, political decisions that were made, and so I think that they could be political decisions to offer a reversal. But I, I do want to get some, some legal advice on that first. Would that also have to do with the timeline for the proposed amnesties? Um, I, I, I would have to see. You know, if I can, if I can do it, I would do it at the earliest opportunity. So I'm, I'm hoping within the next within the next week I'll get that legal advice. Thank you. Thank you. That's a great apology. These cases should be dropped. It's the right thing to do legally. It's not in the public interest to prosecute. They won't win in the end. They were the result of a political decision made by Kenny and Shandro. They're wrong politically. She promised she would end this, and she must. And they're wrong morally. Albertans do not jail pastors or truckers for being peaceful protesters. Did you know that the Alberta government is using an anti-eco-terrorism law to go after Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky for giving a sermon in support of the truckers? Seriously, the law has never been used before. It's designed to stop Greenpeace from vandalizing pipelines. And it's being twisted into a pretzel to go after a pastor giving a sermon? What a disgrace. Now, that's Kenny's disgrace. But how long before it really is part of Smith's record? 
Look, the election in Alberta is scheduled for May 29th in 2023. That is barely six months away. Smith needs to drop these charges quickly. Just get it done. Announce them as a fait accompli. Not have this drag out for months. Just do it. And show the party base she's a promise keeper who can be trusted. And she's not scared of the media party or being outmaneuvered by the Kenny factions and the bureaucracy. You know what? Danielle Smith needs to be the DeSantis of Canada, what Kenny should have been, but what he failed to be. Read the poll for yourself. Go to LockdownAmnesty.com. It's there in full. If you can chip in a few bucks to help me cover the cost of this poll, please do. I paid $4,000 plus tax for it. You'll see more details in the poll, like the fact that a plurality of people in rural Alberta support dropping the charges against pastors and businessmen. That's part of the province that Smith just has to win. The poll also has a second question testing if every single charge in the province should be dropped, not just against pastors and business people, but also, for example, there's four men who were accused of some weapons offenses. Not surprisingly, that poll question tested a little bit lower, but it was still supported by 67% of conservatives. I think that second question gives Smith the path of a reasonable compromise. Drop the charges against everyone in Alberta who is peaceful and have the Attorney General carefully reconsider any other cases. They all need to be reinvestigated, given that we know that this was all politically orchestrated. And what we've learned from watching the Trucker Commission inquiry in Ottawa is that many things that the police said and did at the time were simply political talking points, sometimes even drafted by outside PR agencies, not even by police. So I don't think we can rely on the legitimacy of any lockdown prosecutions in Alberta. But that first part, dropping it against pastors and businesses, that is a surefire winner according to this survey. If you agree, go to LockdownAmnesty.com, read the poll, chip in to help cover if you can, and sign the petition to Danielle Smith herself. That's LockdownAmnesty.com. Well, I got you talking about Alberta or thinking about Alberta. We're going to try and get some lockdown amnesty out there. I want to tell you, I mean, I mentioned that Rachel Notley, the former premier who wants to be premier again, she's a bit of an extremist. And I don't say that lightly. I say that because her caucus was full of extremists. She herself was, I think you can call someone a communist if they revere Che Guevara, the communist murderer. But Remember, the NDP was such a fringe party in Alberta going back to the dawn of time. They were always, you know, in the single digits or low teens. And then suddenly they were swept to power in 2015. And the people who won were accidental MLAs. One of them was like a child. I mean, he wasn't technically a child. I think he was like 20. He lived with his parents. That's fine. His name was Thomas Dang. And when you elect someone who was just really a placeholder, who never thought they had a chance in a million, of winning and suddenly wakes up one day in a position of power, you're going to get some unusual characters that were not vetted in any way. I mean, Thomas Dang was doing the NDP a favor when he let his name stand in Edmonton South. They never thought they'd win in Edmonton South. And Thomas Dang, a man without character, experience, wisdom, or really any useful skills, became an MLA. But I guess he did have one skill set that is, I guess, a little bit impressive when you look at it coldly, which is he's a computer hacker, or at least he knows how to hack websites. And so the government of Alberta set up a vaccine database website as part of their vaccine passport system, their vaccine mandate system. 
And young Thomas Dang took it upon himself to see if he could hack it, to see if he could get into it and enter someone's name and birthday and see if he could get their private health records. This, of course, is a crime. <clears throat> he did this not once, not twice. He did this more than one million times. So how did he do it one million times? Well, he obviously set up an automated system. He claims that he did this wearing a white hat, not a black hat, that he was doing it as a good hacker, an ethical hacker to show the government the holes in their system. But, of course, that doesn't add up. He was, of course, he didn't, he didn't go to the government. He told his own party what he was up to. You don't do that. Your party's on. This was when Kenny was the premier and he was in opposition. Well, he has finally been prosecuted and convicted. And now he's being sentenced. No jail time for this criminal politician. Joining us now to talk more about it is someone who lives in northern Alberta, our friend Sheila Gonrita, our chief reporter. Sheila, I don't know if I properly summed up the story here. Thomas Dang was literally one of the, like when a high tide comes yeah. in and there's like all sorts of, like there's big logs and big ships, but there's like yeah. empty bottles of pop and masks <laughs> and like little, you, you know, yeah. It's like garbage, like styrofoam cups that got washed ashore. That's Thomas Dang. He got washed yeah, ashore the, in the big he's the rubber wave. boot that He's the rubber <laughs> boot that fell off the fishing boat, and he just came up with the driftwood. That's exactly <laughs> who he is. And I think you downplayed it a little bit about just the extent of how much he searched. It was definitely over a million, but I think it was 1.78 million searches of that database that he did like that's almost really every albertan adult like i mean there's four and a half million yeah. albertans i think so there's like two like two or three million adults like he he searched the half of albertans yes he did and um i guess the real controversy now is what did rachel notley know about all of this and when did she know it i know that the united conservative caucus has really been hammering on this and um it was back in july that unsealed court records or at least unsealed police investigation records set up the timeline about when Dang was doing this and he was doing this last September and it came to light in December and the court records were ultimately unsealed I guess January 15th and Rachel Notley said in December when all of this came to light that she had just heard anecdotal hmm. reports that something like this had been happening back in What September. does that even mean, an anecdotal report? Like, you either know that Thomas Dang hacked it or you don't. What's an anecdote? Oh, I hear a rumor that Thomas Dang hacked the website. Like, like it's so specific. What does that mean, anecdotal? Well, <laughs> from what I understand, according to these unsealed records, it means that her chief of staff knew. Um, it means that 20 minutes after Dang was able to confirm manually his own automated search, he called the chief of staff for Rachel Notley and let him know what he had done. You so do I that. Find it very hard to believe that she didn't know one minute after that phone call. In. Well, the chief of staff is literally Rachel Notley's agent, her chief go between. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's not just that. If you are a white hat hacker. Oh, I'm just trying to expose the weaknesses in the system. You call the government, you call the people who run the website, you call the police. You don't call the head of partisan dirty tricks on your team. You you call your 
NDP chief of staff, hey, guys, look what I found out. We could put this to our use somehow. Like, you, why would you call the head of your party, your chief, party's chief of staff, if you wanted to do the right thing for the world? I mean, it's just such an implausible excuse that only the CBC would believe it. Well, it gets The judge didn't better. believe it. Let me put it that way. The judge didn't believe it. <laughs> Definitely not. And it gets even better because what you say is, um, you know, you don't have a crystal ball, but you probably have a crystal mind because not only did he inform the chief of staff, but also Rachel Notley's communications director. So they were actually figuring out how best to use this flaw in the system that Thomas Dang thought he had found, but ultimately um, was, you know, committing a criminal act um, that he should have known better because he was in government. He knows that you have to protect private information and not go needling around for it. But um, he's in trouble, I guess. Now he won't see the inside of a jail cell. And in Alberta, the mainstream media doesn't really care because, well, it's the NDP and they're up against the UCP and the a completely homogenous media here in Alberta, they're cheering for Rachel Notley as hard as they cheer for Justin Trudeau. Yeah. You know, I'm, again, I'm thinking of those two, you know, those three truckers in Lethbridge, completely peaceful, who for mischief, the Crown is seeking a 10-year term. Here, the Crown wants a $10,000 fine, and Dang's lawyer says, no, 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 $4,000 fine. You know, by the way, when I wrote my book, The Lebranos, because I didn't register for the government with the government, I was given a three thousand dollar fine. So, like, like it's laughable, the gentle slap on the wrist this guy gets for actually hacking a public database. But it reminds you of why you can never trust the government. I mean, they're so incompetent that they build a database with your most private health information, and some loser NDP MLA can hack it uh, in minutes. And There's a lot of reasons not to have a vaccine database, civil liberties, personal privacy, but because you simply can't trust the government with any confidential information. You can only imagine how many times the ArriveCan app was hacked. You can only imagine how many times the gun registry when it was around, I guess it's still around, was hacked. You can never trust the government to keep anything. Do you doubt that Thomas Dang would hack the income tax database if he could? Like the guy is just a creepy voyeur. He's a peeping Tom. And imagine all the information the government had that he might have tried to get access to. We don't even know what else he's done. Well, yeah. And just the more the government collects information about you, the more incompetent they are in protecting that information about you. And the more your creep show political enemies will use that um unsecured information to come after you. Not only is Thomas Dang guilty of this by his own admission, but this happened to the trucker convoy. All of their financial information was hacked and leaked by the banks. And what's ever come of that? Nothing. At least Thomas Dang's getting a slap on the wrist here. But the federal government used that illegally obtained information. So did the mainstream media to go about doxing Justin Trudeau's political enemies. Yeah, not just the 200 bank accounts that were seized, but of course, a hacker, a hacker who claims to have permission from the RCMP hacked the entire Give, Send, Go $10 million donor database and put it online, much of which was posted around the internet, even on telephone poles around Ottawa, complete impunity. I'm sure he was telling the truth, that hacker. Here's just a flashback to that hacker saying uh, in a demonic laugh that he was given permission by the RCMP to criminally hack uh, 
a database of Trudeau's enemies. Remember this? <laughs> Nothing scares me. Nothing. Yes, I doxed the truckers. I did it. It was me. I hacked Gibson Go, baby. And I do it again. I do it a hundred times. I did it. I did it. Come at me. What are you going to do? What are you going to do to me? Huh? Yeah, so that's Thomas Dang if he had. Uh, supervillain expressiveness. Thomas Dang is just sort of a, a quiet, nerdy geek loner, but really there's no difference. $4,000 fine. What a laugh. Well, Sheila, I mean, um, I think the media is just as bad as the NDP. And when I think of Rachel Notley, I think she, she obviously wants to be premier again, but the main threat to Danielle Smith, I would put it in this order. Threat number one, sorry, threat number three, Rachel Notley. Threat number two, dissension within Danielle Smith's own party. And threat number one, the left-wing media party that's on a mission to destroy her. That's where to you, Sheila. You're not wrong. Because the left-wing media party, uh, they would not only like to destroy Danielle Smith on behalf of Rachel Notley, but they'd love to do it because she's one of the bravest premiers in this country who's willing to stand up to Justin Trudeau. There you have it, Sheila Gunnery. Great to talk to you again. Thanks, boss. All right. Stay with us. Your letters are next. Hey, welcome back. Bill Fairhall asks a question. He says, have I said before, it's not important that justice be done, only that it appears to have been done. This is how broke our legal and political representatives have become. God help us all. Help fighting these tyrants, Ezra. Well, I think it's both. Justice must be done, but it also must be seen to be done. You know, that applies to so many things, obviously, these truckers down in Lethbridge. But I think of Pastor Tim Stevens, Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky, and there's, there's so many battles to fight. That's why we go to the court of law. You know, journalism is important. We like telling the other side of the story. That's our motto. But every once in a while, we stop and try and fix things. Leonidas 45 says, what is Marxist socialist political persecution? This is what Marxist socialist political persecution looks like. Peaceful protesters being persecuted for daring to disagree with the dear leader's edicts. Drug company executives testifying in the EU have admitted that no data was provided that showed vaccination prevented transmission. The vax passes in persecution of the unvax was politically motivated, not scientifically substantiated. These men were protesting against a legitimately unjustified assault on their constitutional rights. You know, I should probably go into it in more detail, but a couple of weeks ago, the New York Supreme Court in New York, which is not a right wing state, threw out the vaccine mandates, ordered that all fired staff be rehired and given back pay. And they specifically said that the rationale for a vaccine mandate, that it stopped transmission, was meritless. And that's the thing. And I, I've seen a Pfizer contract with another country, I don't remember which one, it wasn't with Canada, but I would assume they're similar, that they said they cannot claim that the vaccine stops transmission. I bet that the Pfizer contract with Canada, which is being kept a secret, says we can't guarantee it doesn't stop transmission. So Trudeau would have known. And yet he said we must ban unvaccinated people from workplaces, from the army, from airplanes, from ships, from the public square to protect others from transmission, knowing that that was not true. That may be a reason why the Federal Court of Canada threw out the lawsuit of Brian Peckford and Maxine Bernier and others 
to challenge the no-fly ban on the unvaxxed. Can, could we find out that, in fact, they knew all along that the vaccine didn't stop transmission? Very crazy days. That's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom. Thank you.